sent Zoom at 8.45, and he's on at 9. Those are your text messages at 8.23. Send Zoom yeah, you, you know why I do that? Start early. We'll start early. You know why I do that? Uh, now, let me guess. You, you do that because I'm always late. That's exactly it. You know, you, you learn. And then you figure out ways to to make this work properly. So what I have to do is I have to, you know, treat so you like one of my children. I got to treat you like one of my children, just like uh, in the morning with uh, my son, Nick. I get him up at 630. You know, by the time he gets out of bed, it's it's, you know, 20 minutes later. We're rushing around the house. So now what I do is I wake him up even earlier. So what time does Nick start school? Eight o'clock. It, it, my son's in my son's in grade four, and he's been going to the same school since pre-K. I think pre-K, kindergarten for sure. And I just want to say, my son starts at eight o'clock. Do we not know what the most important element is for kids' development? It's sleep. Sleep is the number one. It, you grow when you sleep. That's simple as that. You heal when you sleep. You recover when you sleep. Same as heal. Sleep is most important for kids from the time they're born to the time they're about 17. And our schools start at fucking 8 o'clock in the morning. My son is, is 9 years old. Do you know what it's like? Yeah, you do. You probably do. Battling with a 7-year-old in second grade to get him up and get him out the door for school at 740. It's, it's ridiculous. What time does he go to bed at? 830. Okay. Well, my, my, my daughter's in grade 4. She goes to bed at 7.30. 7.30? I can't even, I can't get him, I can't get everything done by 7.30. Like, he has sports, kids sports at this age go till 8. Like, he had a basketball thing not long ago for grade fours, and it went from 6.30 to 8.30. I mean, how can most parents drop their kids off for 8 and then be back there for 2 o'clock pickup? Like, it's it's ridiculous. Like, why not send them? from nine o'clock where you can drop them off at eight 30 or eight 45. If you have to be at work for nine and pick them up at, pick them up at three 20 mm-hmm. instead of two 20. But when yeah, I went well, to school, it was nine o'clock bell, three 30 bell. That's right. Same, same with me. Same with me. My, my, you know, whether it was elementary, middle school or high school started at nine, ended at three 30. And here, um, it's tough. I, I'm not, I, I agree with you. You know, there's a lot of parents right now that are just, you know, it, it's so hectic in the morning. You know, you're trying to get yourself ready for work. You're trying to get yourself organized for the day. And at the same time, you have like one, two, maybe three. And it, oh, you might have four sloths in the house that are like slow moving, you know, creatures. And, uh, you know, it's, some, it's, it's, some mornings are tough, but listen, I told you we're, we're in early bed. We try, you know, obviously the older ones are, they're, they're somewhat on their own right now and, and monitor that. But the, the young ones, all my kids went to bed early because just what you just said right now, the value of sleep and in order for them to have a good day at school, because it's long, it's demanding, it's, it, uh, it's, it's mental you gotta, you gotta be rested. School's hard on kids. Yeah, school's is. hard on kids, and it's not just the work, and it's not the teachers. It's the peer pressure. It's the kids around them. 
School is, do you know another thing I read too? If you stay in school long enough when you, until you get your degree in university, because apparently that's the, that's where you're supposed to make it to. Meanwhile, I know more people that don't have a university and college degree that are way more successful than the people that I do know have one. But that being said, from the time you're what, what time, when do you go to kindergarten? Grade five. So grade five, so, or five years old, sorry. So five years old until you're 22 in school that's like a quarter of your life in school yep i never even realized that i mean it's like mentally i checked out of school in grade nine but i physically went to school until and until i turned pro in hockey anyway. can i add something to that which i really like down here in in i wouldn't even say the states because i don't know how other state but in our area here in buffalo one thing that i love is that people people basically when they're when their young child goes to school normally you go at 5 years old if i had to do it all over again every single one of my kids i would have held back a year there's no rush to get your kids into school okay into kindergarten where they're like playing with blocks and stuff i mean and learning colors i think it, it's important for you to keep your kids like if you look it over in finland okay Finland does, they don't bring their kids to school until eight years old. Did you know that they, they, they feel that it's the right thing to have your kids at home learning values. Very, very, you know, it, it, it's, it's tougher obviously because, uh, you know, over here in the United States and, and in Canada, um, Many, 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 many families have, you know, you know, both parents working. So it's, it's obviously a lot harder. Pre-K and kindergarten are taxpayer, unless you're going to a private school, a private, it's like, it's, it's, it's high priced or taxpayer paid um, daycare. Yeah. That's all it is. Like, I, I can't believe that they go to school at eight years old over there. I think that's unbelievable. I'd like to know how I'm going to have to read up on that. I don't have any information in front of me that, that tells me what it's one of the highest taxed, uh, countries in the world. So over here, if you're in the highest tax bracket, you're getting taxed 50% over there. You're getting taxed 70 there, their, um, healthcare they don't system care. They don't do any of that. No, their healthcare is literally probably the best in the world. Yeah. You know, they're rich. Over there, person that makes a million dollars a year over there, he gets taxed $700,000. That's why the country is clean. The country is well run. They, um, like I told you before, they their kids don't start school until they're seven and eight years old. That's two years of nurturing at home. That's, That's right. That's a lot. That's man. right. And, and, and not only that, that's two years because our kids actually start school and homework. My son's the most amount of homework he had so far in his four years of school. He just started grade four was first grade. It was, it was crazy. And I don't know if that was the teacher or the curriculum, but all I can tell you is the amount of stress that my son and I had together when doing homework, because he didn't understand why he had to do it. I, I couldn't imagine if he was just starting at eight years old. That's brilliant to me. You take that stress away from the kid at six, seven years old. That's like, yeah. listen, I mean, a lot of kids at age five are not ready. A lot of them are not ready. You know, I have four kids. I went through it with four and, you know, two of them weren't ready. 
you know, just they weren't ready to go and be dropped off, you know, for for basically a full day of school. And, you know, we we got by it. We're you know, we're moving on and and, and things are great. But, you know, it's just interesting uh, what you're talking about right now, about just the smallest thing, how we started this conversation about waking up in the morning with your kids and how difficult these eight o'clock you know school starts opposed to just an hour later at nine o'clock i don't think there's a person out there that would say that kyle dubas has not done or at least gone out made trades made signings to make this team better he is he has literally tried now Kyle Dubas can't strap on the skates. He can't go into the first round of the playoffs and he cannot go and help this hockey team to win games. Okay. He has put a very strong team on the ice. He has signed key players to this organization for years. So for me, I think Kyle Dubas has done a real nice job. Now, there could be the Toronto fan out there that's sitting there going, yeah, it's his fault that we didn't make the playoffs all these years. No, it's not. It's on the players. That's on the coach. If you want someone to take the blame for this, maybe it's the motivator. Okay. Maybe it's the coach. Maybe it's the players that he put on the ice that throughout a, an 82 game schedule, the Toronto Maple Leafs have been a top five teams for how many years now? Yeah, but they haven't they haven't gotten past that point. And that's where I think that is that on Kyle Dubas though? Well, 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 well. What's been their main uh point of issue on that team? I would say defense. Okay, and goaltending. And maybe the biggest of all three because it actually balances out your entire team. Don't say toughness. No. What is ask that conversation, Craig? You know me better than that. Okay, I, I don't know what the third one is. Depth. Solid depth players. You have four players up front in your forward de- department that are... So you don't, uh, 40, you don't think 40, they've had depth the last number bucks, of years? $40 million. And I think I think in the end, you need to move. It's probably a Nylander. I'm not going to get into breaking down as to why. But you're probably moving Nylander. And you should have moved Nylander for two four million dollar players, or what's he making? Seven, six point nine, seven, seven. He's making seven million bucks. Seven million. Six nine something. something. Okay. Well, I mean, go look at three point five million dollar players in this league. They are key players on every team. And and you you need that. You need, or you take get two guys at four million, and you get two guys that can get you fifty points instead of one guy that gets you seventy for seven million. You know, or you get your two guys that get you 40 points, but one kills penalties and one's a body checker and the other one's a sniper. And, you know, like a the perfect kind of guy that they needed was like years ago, that Nino Niederreiter type guy, that third line, second line guy that bounces back and forth, makes around four, four and a half million and gets you 25 goals, 47 to 58 points. And he's hard to play against. Like Nylander's easy to play against. Yeah, he's fast and crafty. But and he also puts up a shit bomb of points, man. Are you going to get talk about you got Matthews, Tavares, and Marner for that? Plus, now you have Michael Bunting and who's a Andy nice Lander. Let's not listen. Don't, don't, don't shoot. Uh, I'm not shitting Nylander. I'm saying you need to use him to add. You need to get better by subtraction, and it's not Nylander's fault. That's not what I'm saying. 
I'm saying is that player is the first really, really good player that you could get a lot for in a deal without having to ruin the integrity of your entire up front, which are the top three guys. Nylander is the fourth guy. It doesn't matter how you mix up or what he does to start the season. He is the number four man. He's the foreman. <laughs> um, well, so goaltending D I'm, and I'm and, not moving William Nylander. I'm not m- moving uh, William Nylander. I think he's too valuable to this hockey team. Um, he has produced at an extremely high level for many, for many years last year, he scored 33 goals and 80 points. Is that, is that a guy that makes $7 million or is that a guy that makes $10 million? Okay. He's extreme. You cannot replace William Nylander. That's just my, that's my impression. Um, for a $7 million player, William Nylander has been a very, very valuable player to the Maple Leafs. Okay. He is a huge, huge key to their success. Um, you know, Kyle Dubas went and, and, and found, and I say found, but he went and found a, a Michael Bunting, Michael Bunting had, Oh, he played with, uh, Marner and, uh, you know, Matthews last year. Yeah. Doesn't matter. He still scored 23 goals and had 63 points was plus 27. Yeah. You know, you need on this team, you know, you needed to move your Nylander and keep a guy like Ilya Mikhaev. He's your $4.7 million no. player. You had him no, in the because lineup. Go look, at, go look at his statistics. I am. Go look at Mikhaev's statistics. What, what what was the season last year? Last year, he played 53 games. Now, he's had injury over the years. He had a severely lacerated wrist, right? Okay. A couple yep. years ago. But last year, in 53 games, he had 21 goals, 11 assists. Oh, and 11 was- assists. That's good, then. He had 21 goals. He's hard to play against. He's big. Is he hard to play against? Yeah. Since when has Mikhailov been a guy that we were saying that he's super hard to play against? I have watched the Leafs for a number of years because I spend a lot of my time in Canada, and that's who you you watch when you're up there in Toronto. And I will tell you that my two favorite players that were on the Leafs were Engvall and Mikhailov. Mikhailov, Mikhailov. Maybe I'm thinking of the guy from the Soviet Union team back in the day. Mikhailov. Ilya Mikhaev. That's who my two favorite Leaf players were because everyone loves Matthews and Marner and and Nylander and Johnny T. And they love their Morgan Riley and they love their Campbell last year, you know, up until about the 40 game mark. But Mikhaev and Engvall, and they I like that they brought in Callie Yarncrook. I like what they've done. Okay. I think this is the year the Leafs definitely move on past the first round. But if I were Dubis. That would have been an easy move for me. I would have shipped out Nylander, and I would have kept him Mikhaev. I still would have made the other moves, and I still would have had a few million bucks left over to go and maybe bring in a guy. That's it. I think Mikhaev is harder to play against than Bill Nylander. That's my own personal opinion. You know how you win? You know how you win? You win with game breakers, okay? Austin Matthews, Mitchie Marner, and William Nylander are game breakers. You need defense. Um, I think Morgan Riley has been a real strong defender, uh, offensive guy for the Maple Leafs for a number of years. I really like his game. But I'm going to tell you, Kyle Dubas has gone out. He's got uh, Jake Muzzin, went out and got TJ Brody. Um, 
went and picked up Mark Giordano and Mark Giordano loved the environment in Toronto so much that he went and signed for $800,000 a year for a two-year deal because he believes that this team has a chance to win the Stanley Cup. He's 39. Yep. And the other guy that you mentioned, Jake and he's Muzzin. Still, and Jake he's still Muzzin's playing. 33, but he's more like a 53. When you think oh, about the... Well, think about the years that he's played, how many games, two cups, long playoff runs, injuries. He got hurt last year. Like, he's not 33. He's like a 39-year-old NHL player, body. Okay? Okay. He is beat up and weathered. Okay. Listen, I mean, he's a great defender. He's a great physical hockey player. He knows how to win. He knows how to win a championship. He's won two of them. He's a guy that I love in Toronto. Okay. I, I like the way he plays. I like TJ Brody. I like the way he plays. He's a defending first type player that moves the puck well and has the off uh, ability to, to add that two way defenseman, one uh, defense and offense. Um, I like what they, what they have. I like the young players. I like, um, Rasmus Sandin. I like Timothy Lilligren. They've brought these guys along the proper way it's it's giving them little taste here and there before they're really ready to jump and and take a position so i like what dubas has done this is all going back to should he get an extension i like what he's done i like him bringing in michael bunting okay i like him bringing in uh david kemp who i think played exceptionally well for the toronto maple Leafs. You know, I like how he signed Wayne Simmons to add some toughness to the lineup and Kyle Clifford. They don't play a ton, but they play key minutes for this hockey team. You know, Alexander Kierfoot has played very well for Toronto. These are all players that he brought in. Tell you what, if I were Toronto, what I would have done, and I agree with everything you just said. Now, and again, is- you have Anderson that they paid five million bucks to, and he's a great goaltender. Just kind of didn't work out here in Toronto, but they they bring in uh, Campbell. Campbell played well at times, but floundered uh, back and forth. Kyle Dubas is constantly looking to see if he can throw something at the wall and see if it sticks. So and now he he's brought in Matt Murray. He had a couple, and I was just about to say that before you cut me off. Yesterday, you said to me, you said, stop interrupting me. And I told you I was going to edit it out, but I left it in there for entertainment value. But the point is, he had he had Labushkin, and he had Mikhaev, okay? And maybe he didn't want Russians on his team. I don't know. But, and I don't have to look at the roster to see it. I don't know if they have any other Russians on their team. But my point is, instead of Nylander, I would have rather had those two guys, Labushkin and Mikhaev, then Nylander. That is my prime example. That's $7 million right there. Yeah. And 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 I think you add more elements to your team than what Nylander individually brings to your team. That's all I was saying. And, and you can part your way with that contract and then figure it out from there where you're going to go because they're still, they're never going to get out of this cap hell as long as they have those big three up there making an average of 10 or 11 between the the three of them. You do not, under any circumstances, get rid of a player that has scored 34 goals in a year and has a point a game. You don't move them. You don't move those guys. (laughs) 
I'm just looking for right now. Toronto. Oh, yeah, they have Ilya Samsonov. They have Ilya Samsonov, where I think that that could be a massive move for the Leafs in, in goaltending. Well, what about Matt Murray? Do you think that could be a massive move for the Leafs? Could be a train wreck, too. I, I didn't ask that question. I asked the question, could it, could. And it I'm answering be, it with that answer because I think that is the most. Well, the unknown, answer is yes unknown, or no. If the answer is it, it's the most unknown move in the league. And you're putting your, your stock on a guy who. You're not putting stock because you have Ilias Samsonov. Who is also a project. He's no certainty, but he was a, he was either. Is he, he was a, a first round pick. Was that 25 years old? Hey, I've been in the Samsonov camp the whole entire time, so it's not like I'm sitting here saying that was a bad move. I think bringing him in, but he's not there to be the starter. Well, he's, he's there, there to maybe, fight for it. Yes. He's this there is to a, fight this for is it. A, this is a clean slate for him. This is a 1A, 1B. There's no 1 and 2, okay? This is a 1A, 1B, and one of these guys in Toronto throughout that long 82-game schedule is going to come to the forefront. And there, and Dubas is hoping that one of these guys can basically 100% take a hold of the reins. Now I look at, I look at Matt Murray, Matt Murray, when he came into the league, came to a very strong Pittsburgh team, but let me tell you, he played absolutely fantastic. He won two Stanley cups. And from that time, he's at a tougher time because he's had some seasons in Pittsburgh that were just not not great, but he, but he's played very well. He's played very well in his career. Okay. This is it's a household uh, name for a goaltender that has won two Stanley cups. He's only 28 years old, which is basically the prime of his NHL career. And he is going to be looking to play on a stronger team in Toronto, a team that's going to be a top five team in the NHL. And now he probably has the best defense core ahead of him that he's had in a long time. Yeah. I think Matt Murray is in a position to have success this year. He needs to hold up his end of the bargain. He needs to get back to, you know, a couple years ago, 2019, 20 season. And, and, and before that, that he was really, really good goaltender. Well, he lost his father and you never know what that does to somebody in the, in the height of their career, right? Like if you think about it, it, it like it'd be pretty easy for him to lose his motivation. He had won two cups and then he lost his father. He'd already reached the pinnacle of his life and then the drop off. The guy that helped the massive influence in getting you there. You know, you don't know what happens to somebody, but his game hasn't really been the same since. And I can't blame him for that. This is a new breath of fresh air for him. He's got his junior uh general manager in Dubis from Sault Ste. Marie. He's got his old goalie coach from Sault Ste. Marie there. So a lot of familiarities with Matt Murray, with who he was before he was a cup champion that helped get him there. So that it, it could be a massive turnaround for him. And I'm hoping it is. I'm hoping it is because, number one, I enjoy watching the Leafs. All right? I like going up to Canada and turning on a Leaf game. Like, okay? Like, that's, to me, that's enjoyable. It reminds me of my childhood. Because it was the only games we got. It was, yeah. you know, Hockey Night in Canada and Toronto Maple Leafs. And... The other thing is, too, the NHL is better when the Leafs are good. The Sabres-Leafs rivalry is Yeah, best. unfortunately, I, I, I'm going to have to agree with that. Because I, I, think, I think Maple Leaf fans are super freaking annoying. I, you know, I grew up in a Montreal Canadian environment. I got drafted to this team in 1992. I was 17 years old. 
Okay. Uh, my father, where I listen, I mean, where I grew up in North Bay, Ontario, which is basically three, three and a half hours north of Toronto, we watched either Toronto Maple Leafs or the Montreal Canadiens. My dad loved Bob Ganey. He loved Bob Ganey with the way that he played. He gave heart and soul every single night. I remember him talking about him, but I will say this. Um, I grew up in a Montreal Canadian environment. Okay. Right from basically 17 years old and on my, my hate for Toronto is real because I grew up in my hometown where 85% are Toronto Maple Leaf fans. And let me tell you, they are the biggest bandwagoners I have ever seen in my entire life. This is what I've learned in my long, long stint in the NHL is how big the bandwagon gets when Toronto is good. Well, you can't tell me flags out the window. Yeah, but you can't on tell me that of one cars. of the coolest things you would ever see in sports, whether we like it or not, because we played in the league and we know that we don't like the Leafs because they're the Leafs. That's why you don't like the Leafs. If you're not a Leaf fan, you despise the Leafs. It's the way hockey works. If you're not a Habs fan, you despise the Habs. I don't care if you play in Dallas, Nashville, two untraditional markets until like the 90s, okay? You hate the Leafs. You don't want to see the Leafs do well because they're titled, they're deemed the Mecca, right? Like, we got tired of Detroit going 25 years to the playoffs. All Ooh, those things. Who's deemed the freaking Mecca? Toronto, Toronto, or Mo- Toronto or Montreal. They're, they're deemed like Bill the Barilco disappeared. That My point summer, is, don't tell me it wouldn't be unbelievable to see a Leaf parade. Trip, the last goal he ever scored in, in overtime, overtime. Won the Leafs the cup. <laughs> they you know, Bill Barilco, last goal. Another in 19... 19- 62, <laughs> the year he was discovered, 1962. There's I stole this Mecca. from a hockey card. I keep tucked up under. A little All tragically right. hip there for you, but listen, I they're not the Mecca. Montreal Canadiens are the Mecca. So let's stop with, oh, Toronto Maple Leafs are the Mecca. No, they're not. They're not even close to the Mecca. Okay, fine. All my point is, is that I'd still like to see what a parade would look like. I don't know whose expense it has to be at. It would be massive because you would have every fence sitter. Oh, they come from all over the world, man. They're all over the world. They're all, the Leafs are so spread out all over the world that it's absolutely insane. And, and it would be a first time in millions and millions and millions of Leaf fans generation that they have won the cup. In my lifetime, the Leafs have never been to a final. Uh, yeah, they went to the finals, conference finals against. They have never been to the finals in my lifetime. I was born. Oh, in you were thinking back in 1993 when uh, well, L.A. Thinking, and Toronto, I'm L.A. Toronto. That, but hard to believe that that was a Western Could Conference imagine? matchup. Could you imagine back in 1993, L.A. played Toronto Maple Leafs. L.A. ended up beating them, and then they played the Habs in the finals. Could you imagine a Toronto Maple Leafs Montreal Canadian final? And we'll never get that ever because of the way the league is lined up. Yep. 
which I think is another thing that sucks. You know, like these divisions and these uh, conferences. We're not getting into that, man. Okay. Not getting into the division talk and what should happen and should we do be doing one through eight and all this. Oh, man, it's I mean, I don't know what they're doing at the NHL, and I don't want to waste my time and get all irritated. This all comes down to this. The conversation is this. Does Kyle Dubas deserve with what he's done in the last number of years? Does he deserve an extension in Toronto? Yes. Not today. No, not today. And he is quoted and on the record. Crazy, man. No. You don't you are know. crazy. Nope. They're handling this well because you know what? If what if they what if they put together this fabulous roster, they stay healthy and they go out in the first round? Are you giving him an extension then? Yes. Why would you give a guy an extension oh that God, clearly I just has- said it? That's what we just talked about for literally 30 minutes. He puts on paper. He puts the guys and fits the puzzle pieces together. You have elite scoring. So you're saying you have Keith strong... is gone. Yeah, I'm 100%. This has nothing to do with uh, uh, Dubas. I think Dubas has done for years a very, very good job managing a cap that everybody thought that they would have had to blow the team up years ago because they have all these $11 million guys and the cap was this. And he has done a marvelous job working with the cap. He has done a nice job um, working on areas in Toronto, the defense, to make it stronger, to make it competitive. He's added depth at at forward, he's added depth on defense. So he's, that's why Barry Trotz didn't take a job. Because Barry Trotz is going to wait and see what happens in Toronto. And then he's going to be... And you know what? There are If there's ever a year to wait on anyone and see what you're going to do, you know, Sheldon Keefe, he should be feeling some pressure because there are a lot of coaches with 10 times better resumes than he has that are available right now in the NHL. Like I would take Paul. You think Maurice. he's the guy? I would take he's Paul. The first Ma- guy. I think Dubas and Keith go together. With one came the other. If if something happens there where Keith goes, Dubas goes. This is a year. This is the year. This is the year. The Leafs have never looked better on paper to start a season in the last decade. So this is the year. If they can't get, and I don't care if it's a second round outing. The winning the first round is not the Leafs' mission this year. They need to they need to go all the way to the conference finals. Finals. If they don't go to the finals, that is a season failed. Unless, well, they're starting the year without Johnny T. He's hurt. Okay, he's going to have some kind of an oblique uh, situation going on. So it's going to be very interesting. Have you ever uh, looked at, uh, so I'm, I'm reading this article, the odds to be the first coach, NHL coach fire in 2022-23. The hot seat. Okay. Uh, I'm going to guess this. Yes. Okay. First, the uh, do you have them if in you can you? get the top five, it'll be just, I mean, it'll be, there's no way you're getting the top five. Okay. But go ahead. Okay. Who's okay. number one? Who's number one? Number one coach on the hots. Give me the conference. No, no, I don't. I mean, no, I don't even need the conference. Um, 
Well, if I were Seattle, I'd fire Dennis Hackstall already. I never would have hired him. Okay, he's number two. Is he really? I don't yes. blame. Him. I don't. I don't get any indication that he's a good coach. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, Bruce Poudreau. Negative. Really? Okay. Yep. I don't know what his law, his standing will be with Vancouver. He's good at he's good at stabilizing ships. He's not good at like helping them blast off. Um, the mm, not the guy in Edmonton. Um, not oh, Sutter. They they love him there. Not Sutter. You got. You want me to help you out? You're killing me here. Well, give me the conferences. I'm just gonna say number one is uh, is uh, Shelley Keith. Number one guy. The odds of being the first coach fired is Sheldon Keith. And I can tell you, absolutely, because this is not on Kyle Dubas. Kyle Dubas has put together a very, very strong team. They've been a very strong team in the standings in an 82-game schedule for a number of years. The last five years, they've been right there, okay? They haven't been able to get over the playoffs, okay? Maybe they need a new direction. Maybe they need new leadership. Maybe they need someone with a different voice to come in there to make these guys feel a little bit un- uncomfortable and at the same time implement a structure and an understanding of how they're going to play to be able to play in the playoffs. That's sm- playoffs who's that smell like to you? Re- Barry Trotz. Possibly, yep. Like, you can't tell me that, that you're going to look at Barry Trotz and say, this guy won with Ovechkin? Sheldon Keefe. Okay, look... Uh, I watched that Leaf thing a few years ago, and I'm looking, and I'm not saying Joe Thornton would ever disrespect a coach or anyone, any of those guys would disrespect a coach, but they didn't look like what he was saying was really resonating with him. Like, it kind of looked like, and I'm sitting there thinking about myself being in a locker room, and I'm looking at the stars, because everything the coach says, it 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 definitely has to do with me, but it doesn't have to do with me. I'm looking at the guys who it really needs to resonate with, because I don't have a choice in the matter. I have to go out and I either have to fight and bust my ass every single shift and day, or I'm out of there. These other guys can be like, fuck you, man. And I sit and I listen to these speeches and I've heard players talk about speeches in the past. And I'm just like, man, this guy does not have a commanding effect on the room. He doesn't come in and get angry and and not intimidate anybody, but actually make them feel like, even he's believing what he's saying. That's a very hard team in market. You've got four or five or six super mega stars on that team. And I think the coach is like the least powerful person on the team because he doesn't run that team. You got to get somebody in there that has had a, a, a commanding control of a locker room with stars and that is the Washington Capitals when they won the cup they were full of stars John Carlson you had Ovi you had Backstrom you have the goalie you have Kuznetsov TJ Oshie thank you no offense to Sheldon Keefe, man, but that's the worst job in hockey when you for and your the funny first thing is, NHL though, you remember. coaching job. Your first NHL coaching job, you're taking on the you're going in the biggest pressure cooker with stars that like that you can't even relate to. Pack your shit, as Mike Commodore would say. Yep. Well, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Because I think the success. 
right now um, of, of the Maple Leafs has been because of Dubas. I think he absolutely 100% deserves an extension. And it, it it's not, let's wait and see if the team doesn't make the playoffs. This has nothing to do with uh, uh, Dubas. Dubas has put together a roster for years, tinkered around with it for years, had to deal with salary cap, uh, you know, problems for years, but he just seems to figure things out and he's done a great job. I think 100% he should be getting an extension. And if things don't work out, it's not on Dubas. It's on the coach. Okay. It's on the coach. Okay. So first is, first is, uh, Keith. Second is Hackstall. Who's three, four and five on the odds, the betting odds for coaches. So you have Sheldon Keith, you have, uh, Dave Hackstall. And then you have Dallas Eakin in Anaheim in Anaheim. Yeah. You have Peter Laviolette in Washington because that's their last hurrah. They need, they just need a motivator to come in there and try and get Washington over, over the, uh, over the hump. Okay. So he's on the hot seat. Lindy Ruff is number five in New Jersey. Okay. This is an up and coming team that had zero pressure on them for many, many years, but they're starting to have pressure. They're starting to get pressure at some point in time. New Jersey needs to start to make the move up the ladder. And if Lindy Ruff's not that guy, they will try and move someone else in there to spark that young group. Here's the six, which you're, you're going to be shocked with Rod Brendamore. It, it's on the, the hot seat is on the hot seat at number six. He's a lifer. He is. He is a guy that will dictate. When he's going to coach, where he's going to coach, and how long he's going to coach. Who's the GM of, uh, is it Don Waddell? I think so, yeah. Yeah, okay. Don Waddell is number two two man. I don't understand it. I don't understand this whatsoever because they've been one of the top teams in the league for the last five years and been extremely, extremely competitive with hardly any super elite stars. You know, yes, you could probably put what? Maybe Sebastian Ajo in there, but he's like your low end superstar. He's a great player. Rod Don't Brindamore get me wrong. has more say than the owner, <laughs> in my opinion. Good luck firing well, not the him. owner. The owner's very involved. Dundon, yeah, he well, he likes to be involved. But what I'm saying yes. is, is what I'm saying is, I bet the owner would listen to Brindamore before he listened to to Waddell. Is what I'm saying. So Brindamore is not on the hot seat. Keep going. Who else is on that list? Uh, number seven is Don Granado, which I'm, I'm surprised with that one too. I, I really am. I think Don Granado has done a really nice job with a tremendously bad roster that has been torn apart part for years and is now starting. He's, he's built a really good, strong environment with these young guys that this is the most important thing. Everybody in that locker room in Buffalo wants to be here. That is super important. And Don Granato and his coaching staff has built a really strong environment. Now they want to continue to move forward. 
Okay. They want those young guys to mature. They want some guys to break out. They want this team to go to the next level. Don Granado still, I think has, has time. There's no question about it. Uh, the next one is Jay Woodcroft. Wait, 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 stop for a second. Can I comment? Sure. It's like in our, that's our backyard rink right there. Don Granado. I, I appreciate what Don Granado has done here. I do. I appreciate the morale that he has injected into these players. I do believe that these players love Don Granado. I don't think it's wrong that he's on the list that high simply because where the team finished and the expectations that are on this team, the expectations in that locker room are a lot higher than what we're, we're, we're giving them right now. We're giving them like a, you know, if they don't make the playoffs fine, but in that locker room, they're saying something different. If this team comes out, not flat, but unsuccessful at the start of the year, up until Thanksgiving, if they have not had a good start to the season, maybe you don't fire him this year, but maybe you don't extend him and renew his deal with all the coaches that are out there. You know, like, that's that's all I'm saying is what if, what if there's a, a trade that Kevin Adams can make in between now and the end of the year that – that brings in a couple players, and then all of a sudden next year, your team is really ready to take the step. Are you going to do that with a coach that hasn't been there before? Or are you going to do that with a coach, maybe like a Barry Trotz, maybe like a Laviolette, maybe like a somebody else if they're available to come in here and take this team to the next level to get them to figure out how to play that game? There is a big difference between getting players to want to be here and play hard than getting them to actually play the right way and win hockey games. So it's not unfair that he's on that list. I have a massive question mark beside Don Granado. He is my spotlight this year in Buffalo, and I love the man. I've had the great fortune of chatting with him. I think he's a wonderful person. I don't know if he is going to have an impact on a locker room and on the ice that is going to take a team to the next level. He is he's he's no different than Sheldon Keefe, in my opinion. Both unproven. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay, I can respect all that. I can respect it all. Um I I I do believe that he needs an opportunity to coach a team that actually is a good one. Because he hasn't had that opportunity. Part of making a good team good is the coach. He has to make uh, the team. No, 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 listen. You're telling me he doesn't have second. enough talent right now, right now to actually make this oh, team. Hold on, better? hold on a second. When a Kyle Dubas came in, when Kyle Dubas came into Toronto, you know who he f- know who landed on his lap? A guy named no, Austin, Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews. He you know, had Johnny Mitch T, Marner already there. Mitch Marner, there. William Nylander, Morgan Riley. He had all these guys. Okay, boom shakalaka. Nice, nice thing to walk into. Then you have, yeah, but he landed you know, all those. He landed. He they had. Then you have Peter Laviolette. Peter Laviolette walks, walks into Washington. He's got Backstrom, Oshie, Carlson, you know, uh, Kunetsov, TJ Oshie. He's now he's working with a team that is already knows how to win. They're already developed. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I look at I look at Don Granado, um, more more in the context of like uh, Jarrett Bednar. Jared Bednar came into the league, okay, 
with Colorado Avalanche. And he coached that team to one of the worst hockey seasons in NHL history. Colorado was, I, I, I only think they had 48 points that year. Do you remember that year? He was horrendous. This team was absolutely horrendous. And from there, he started to implement the environment in which he wanted his players to come to the rink every single day, how they did video, how they practiced, everything. And it takes time to do all that. Don Granato's been in the same situation. But every year, he's had guys that have gotten better and better and better. And now, Don Granato is in a situation where his first couple years, he had an absolutely horrendous team. And, and, the, and the fan base in Buffalo is still happy with what they're seeing. Even though the team sucks or sucked, he, the fan base was happy because they enjoyed watching Don Granato give confidence to Darlene, to Yoki Haru, to Middlestat, to the guys that clearly were struggling under, under another coach. They, they start to flourish. Well, Don Granato, for the first time in his in his NHL career, is now still has an extremely young team, but they're going to be much more competitive. I don't think they're going to be making the playoffs. That's just my opinion. I think they could be right there. I think they could be right there. Okay. But it's it's I think Don Granato deserves more time. He's going to have more time. He's going to have this year. And they, okay. and they need and and I'm fine with him getting more time, but this year can't be like last year. It can't be a hey from Christmas on they were a great team and they just missed the playoffs, so they're ready to take that next try because that's what they said last year. I didn't buy last year because last year I know what it's like to play those games. I've been on those teams and those those games are easy to play. You approach them different differently mentally. When there are points on the line that matter, you're a little more nervous. You're a little more nervous. You don't want to lose those meaningful games. The games that don't matter when you show up and you're like, this is fucking great. I get paid every two weeks. I'm in the NHL. All I got to do is go out and perform. It's not that way at game one through game 35. Eight, nine, and 10 on the list. Um, Unless you wanted to, to have a rebuttal Jay, for what Jay I Jay Woodcroft in Edmonton. Brad Larson in Columbus. And in Arizona, Andre Torgany. Wait a minute. How is Jay Woodcroft on that list? I have no idea. How is how is Rod Brennamore six? How is Don Granado seven? Don Granado's not getting fired. He'll finish the entire year. His contract will be determined at the end of the year. He's not getting fired because if they don't win a game until at uh, by Thanksgiving, he's still going to be given his time to say, well, it's got to come together. It's got to come together because either way, if they don't win a game, they are still in the Connor Bedard. Like the Sabres can't lose this year. The Sabres can't lose. If they improve and miss the playoffs, they still have lottery odds. And if they make the playoffs, well, then everything else is gravy. Simp simple as that, in my opinion. Yep. I believe that here's my prediction for the Sabres this year, regardless of what happens on the ice. I believe Lindy Ruff's contract extension or contract expires the end of this year with the Devils, or he's let go of his duties somewhere during the season. Next year, 
he comes to Buffalo as either what president of hockey ops or some sort of hockey advisor. And Lindy Ruff will be back in Buffalo. That's my ultimate prediction for this year when it comes to Sabres hockey. As it pertains on the ice, yet to be determined. Don Granado's contract absolutely goes along with, with their success. With one comes the other. Anything to add? Uh, no, the, o- the only other note, because we're just talking about all these contracts, all these big contracts that are being signed. Um, there is some positive stuff at the end of the tunnel and uh, the salary cap. They, they came out just uh, a little while ago talking about the salary cap and the projections of the salary cap in 2023, uh, 22, 23, which is this year, the salary cap is going to be 82, five. Okay. And from there, 2023, 24, one year, it goes up $1 million to 83, five. But from there, 2024, 25, the salary cap could go as high as $88 million. It's a big jump. It's a big jump right there. And then 2025, 26 season, they're projecting that the salary cap will be $92 million. So that's a lot. In four years, the salary cap is going to go up $10 million, which is a lot of money for these teams to work with. And that's just a projection. That's just a projection. You're saying there's light at the end of the tunnel? I think there is light at the end of the tunnel. Well, name name the lyrics, name the song that these lyrics are from, and actually straight from Hard Knocks and from my my iTunes. Then it comes to be that the soothing light at the end of your tunnel is just a freight train coming your way. Hell yeah. Who is it? No idea. That's Metallica. No Leaf Clover, baby. No Leaf I Clover. I should have known that, but that uh, light you're at the singing end of the so bad. Riff. Is just a freight train coming your way. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator76. You can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.